welcome to the Christchurch Winston-Salem podcast. To learn more about Christchurch, visit us at ChristchurchWS.org. Subscribe to our podcast at our website, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. Holy Spirit, come now upon your people gathered this evening. Lord, as we celebrate the mystery of God made flesh, Jesus Christ. Lord, please be with me, the preacher of the word, and be with all of us as hearers of your word as it is preached, that the good news that the angels sang about will become real for us tonight. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, um, I'll start with uh, page one of my theological dissertation for this evening. It shouldn't take more than 50, 55 minutes. No, I know what people come to church on Christmas Eve for. You come to sing songs, sing Christmas hymns, carols, and have Holy Communion and light candles. You didn't come here to hear a long, long preaching tonight. So I'm going to have mercy on all of you, and, uh, and this hopefully will be worth the little bit of time you have to listen. You know, one of the things that you notice when you worship at a church like Christ Church is that there is a lot of movement going on in the service. Uh, and, and most of it is intentional. Some of it is just the movement of, it's like the Brownian motion. Are you familiar with this? You science people, it's like at, a, at an atomic level that the atoms are just bouncing around. The Brownian motion of children squirming on Christmas Eve. Yes, that's movement. But there's intentional movement as well. We have a procession. We have a, a parade at the beginning of the service. We always do that. And it's, um, we don't have to. We just like doing it because this is a big deal what we're going to do here when we have that procession. We're saying we're coming into God's presence. Uh, some people bow when the cross go by, when the cross goes by. It's, uh, they're, they're saying that's the symbol of my salvation. That's that's even more important than the national anthem and the flag at the baseball game. Maybe I ought to do something and bow down when that cross comes by. Some people will kneel during Holy Communion. People will raise their hands in prayer. Now, there aren't any rules for all these bodily expressions of worship, but there are some customs, and, and one of those customs happens during the Nicene Creed when we say this phrase, listen, for us and for our salvation he came down from heaven, was incarnate. Yes, I say incarnate. It's not incarnate. I'm sorry. I'm from North Carolina. Was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made man. At that moment, when we say that phrase, when we say that God himself was made man, when we confess, in other words, the incarnation, which means to put on flesh, Many people will bow their heads at that phrase out of sheer amazement that God would do such a thing as that. Way back in ancient times, way back in ancient times in the mid-1990s, Joan Osborne released a song which asked the question, what if God was one of us? And there was another question in the song, if God had a face, what would it look like? Well, in the Nicene Creed, some of us bow our heads in utter astonishment because God has indeed become one of us. And his face is the face of a Mediterranean Jewish boy wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Uh, J.I. Packer 
has said, the more you think about it, the more you think about it, the more staggering it gets. Nothing in fiction, nothing in fiction is so fantastic as is the truth of the incarnation. So that's why, that's why we celebrate at Christmas time. God became one of us. It really is utterly amazing. I was just thinking about it, y'all. Um, I think we have someone in, in labor today. Is that, is that still going on? It's over? It's over. There's a baby? Ambrose Mosier. Praise God. Woo! Christmas baby. Hey, things not to ask this uh, kid when he's getting a little bigger. Can I wrap your birthday presents with Christmas paper? Don't do that. No. <laughs> Can we just celebrate your birthday and Christmas at the same time? Bad, bad. You want to warp a child? That would be the way to do it. But when, when Ambrose Mosier was born, um, it, it was not, uh, it was messy and loud. I bet. And that's how God came into the world, in a mess, in loud. And that baby cried. That mama probably cried too. That's what we celebrate at Christmas time. God himself was willing to leave the glory of heaven and get into the stench and mire of human existence. And why would God do such a thing? Well, here's the answer. Here's why we celebrate Christmas. It's this, God will stop at nothing to bring us into loving relationship with him. God will stop at nothing to bring us into loving relationship with him. There is no sacrifice so great that God would not make it in order to love you and be with you. You know, I love it that at Christmas time, at Christmas time, we focus, yes, we focus. And at my house, I mean, we focus on feasting and abundance. We focus on that. That's my spiritual gift, feasting. You can tell, just look at me. And tonight we begin the 12-day feast. This night we begin a 12-day feast. You better do it. 12-day feast of Christmas. But the only reason that we can feast, the only reason we experience joy and abundance is because of God's astonishing sacrifice for us when he became a human baby. And that's what Luke is telling us this morning. But it's not just in his Christmas story that we heard tonight. Here is a Christmas treasure for you. I've never thought these thoughts until this week in preparing for this sermon, and I hope that this will be something neat for you, a Christmas, a Christmas treasure for you like it has been for me. The story, here it is, the story of Jesus' self-sacrificing birth is intentionally and directly linked with Jesus' saving, self-sacrificing death. God himself makes the history of Christ's birth rhyme with the history of Christ's death. The Holy Spirit inspired the gospel writer Luke to point out the symmetry between Jesus' birth and death and resurrection to reveal something to us. God wants us to notice something here tonight. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Listen to this familiar verse about Jesus' birth from Luke 2, 7. We just heard it. Listen. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Now listen to this verse 
about Jesus's death in Luke 25, or 23, Luke 23, verse 53. This is it. Then he, speaking of Joseph of Arimathea, uh, a, a, a secret disciple of Jesus, then he took he took it down. What? He took the body of Jesus down from the cross and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever yet been laid. Now listen. In Luke, Jesus is wrapped in linen clothes at the beginning and at the end of his life. That's not there by mistake. That's not there by accident. Luke is wanting us to notice something. He's wrapped. Why did you tell me what baby Jesus was wearing, Luke? Who cares what the baby was wearing when he was born? Oh, Luke wants to make a point. He's wrapped in a linen cloth, linen strips of linen cloth when he was born. He's wrapped in a linen shroud when he dies. We're supposed to notice that. And then in Luke, Jesus is laid in a manger for his crib. Now, we think of a manger as being a wooden feed trough. That's what most of us think of it as being. But it is most likely in this situation, in in the ancient Near East, it was probably certainly a basin hollowed out of a stone shelf, all right? So where they would have cut out for, for for the animals to eat, they would have just notched out the stone, and then made a a basin to put the the feed in. And that's where Jesus was laid, in a stone shelf. At his death, where is Jesus laid? In a stone tomb. Exactly right. Yes! Extra Christmas present. (laughs) The cradle, in other words, points to the grave. We're supposed to notice that. Now, this is where it's just just amazing. In Luke's gospel, Jesus is conceived in a virgin's womb. At the end of his life, he is placed in a virgin tomb. Why, does, why is it important for Luke to tell us where, that the tomb where Jesus is laid is one in which no man, no one had ever yet been laid? That seems to be extraneous. We're supposed to notice that. As biblical scholar Alistair Roberts has said, Jesus was born of a virgin's womb, of a woman who had lain with no man. Jesus was buried in a virgin tomb, a grave in which no man had lain. I hope that you just had that experience. Now, what? so the sacrifice of the incarnation, the birth of Jesus, is directly connected to the sacrifice of the death of Jesus. And here's why it matters for us tonight. Listen, God loves you infinitely, and he has sacrificed infinitely for you. God will do whatever he has to in order to come to us and bring us to himself, whether it is to be born just like every one of us here was born. All that that means even if it means dying on a cross for us, he will go to whatever lengths he has to to come to us and bring us to himself. See how low the Almighty God has gone for us in his birth and in his death. Isn't that amazing? 
The baby born from a virgin womb and wrapped in linen and laid in a stone manger declares a birth. The linen-wrapped body of Jesus laid in a stone-hewn virgin tomb points to the resurrection. And in one sense, a new birth. In Colossians, as a matter of fact, in Colossians 1.18, that's right, we'll use the whole Bible if we have to. In Colossians 1.18, Jesus Christ is called what? He's called the firstborn from the dead. The firstborn from the dead. Jesus is, in a sense, born again from the tomb when he bodily rises from the grave. And here is our application, brothers and sisters, on this Christmas Eve. Jesus is raised to new life so that if we accept him, if we turn away from self-directed living and receive Jesus into our lives, we too can have a radically new existence. We too can be born again. Isn't that cool that that's there in the Bible? Through Jesus, we can be released from the power of all our past failures, all our sins. We can be born again, and the grave no longer has the last word in our lives. Thanks be to God. And that's what God offers you and me this Christmas. And with that in mind, I can't think of a better prayer to pray at the end of this homily than this. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Christchurch, visit us at ChristchurchWS.org. Subscribe to our podcast at our website, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts.